when they make a half a million dollar investment that meets certain criteria and certain things into infrastructure or things in the United States, then they basically are buying their way into citizenship. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I want to ask you, do you have a strategy right now where you are getting leads that come into your inbox while you're sleeping? Do you have a strategy where you are optimized with both Google AdWords and SEO, search engine optimization? If not, then guess what? Today's your lucky day. We've got a free strategy session just for you, and it's with Dan Barrett. If you recognize his name, he was a guest on episode 565, and he is the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy and get a free strategy session to learn with him how to implement an online strategy for your market in both SEO and Google AdWords. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash strategy. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. Normally, we interview a guest and we ask them what is their best real estate investing advice ever, but we've already done that with today's guest, Rob Swanson. First off, how you doing, my friend? Hey, I'm great, Joe. Thanks for having me back. This is going to be awesome. My pleasure. And when we did our original interview, and best ever listeners, you can go check out Rob's interview. It is episode number 772. So go check that out, episode number 772. That's where he gave his best real estate investing advice ever. But during our conversation, he talked about a hospital deal that he did, and it piqued my curiosity as it might have piqued yours as well. And I wanted to have him back on the show to talk about that and some deals that have gone wrong. So today, because it's a special segment, Situation Saturday, he's going to talk about some sticky situations he was in with these deals, how they went wrong, and what happened, and perhaps how he overcame it. Or maybe he didn't. Maybe the deal just went wrong and then he moved on. So with that being said, Rob, you want to give the best ever listeners just a little bit more about your background before we dive into these deals? I'll certainly do that. I'll let people go kind of get the three-minute overview of my background in history in the other episode, and I'll just kind of summarize it here. I've been a full-time real estate investor. I got into the business in the late 90s, started doing things the right way in about the early 2000s, about 2001. And since then, I've flipped houses, bought and sold rentals, health notes, done the whole, you name it, kind of creative or traditional kind of deal out there. I've probably done it. I have flipped houses in over 20 different states and 30 different cities personally, not through student deals like a lot of times the numbers get tweaked. We've done it all over the country and we track what we, one of the things we do, Joe, is we, we really track market performance because I learned early in my career, and you kind of get this in the overview in the last time we spoke, I really learned that markets perform differently and they perform cyclically. And there's ways to make more money and build wealth faster if you take a peek around the country and say, where does it make the most sense to be investing today? And so fast forward to today, that's what we continue to do, continue to run 
our real estate investing business, and also I own and run FreedomSoft real estate investing software. So there's the short version. All right. And best ever listeners, again, go ahead and listen to his interview, episode 772, to hear his complete background and his best advice ever. Let's dive right into these stories. What happens when deals go wrong? Why don't you tell us about some of these deals and the story behind them? In our last conversation, I don't even remember how it came up. I think you asked me a question. I said, well, I'm not going to tell you about the hospital deal that I accidentally bought. And we got talking after the interview and I said, look, man, I could tell you about the house in Vegas that got seized by the U.S. Treasury Department. I could tell you about the hospital deal that I accidentally bought. Or I could tell you about the Colorado rehab I did right here in Denver that got almost slapped with $15,000 a day fines by the Department of Health. And so our peaked interest went a little bit higher. I'll start with the hospital deal because there's interesting lessons to be learned in each one of these. And I really want folks to be able to walk away with this and not only hear an interesting story and say, holy crap, I hope that never happens to me, but also I want them to hear kind of how could you see it going into it? What questions could you ask? And if you do get into a sticky situation, you know, I've flipped hundreds and hundreds of houses, you're going to run into things and things are going to jump in front of your path that you didn't expect if you become a full-time professional real estate investor. And the hospital deal was this. I had been flipping. I had been doing a lot of business. I had been doing things in different locations around the country. And I had a couple of guys, a couple of other real estate investors come to me and say, hey, we've got this deal tied up that we picked up. And it's here's what it is. It's this hospital deal. It's, I think, 77,000 square feet two stories. It was in operation less than six months ago. The, the community built a new hospital. They've moved out. We've got this building under contract. And here's our plan. We're going to bring in a long-term acute care, like long-term, an LTAC unit, long-term acute care unit that's going to be the operator. We're going to turn it into a facility with beds. We're going to rent it out for long-term care for elderly and we've got licensing in place, we've got an operator in place, we've got leases in place, we've got our rehabilitation plan in place, all of this stuff. And so these guys came to me and said, would you give us a short bridge loan to bridge us through this gap? And the gap was about six months where their bigger round of funding was going to close and they needed some bridge money to kind of get through this thing. Well, how much? my investment was $300,000. Okay. So... It was a reasonable amount of money, not a crazy amount of money. It wasn't millions. It was $300,000. And I said, sure, I can do that. So I did all of the, what I believe, proper vetting. And so I made them a hard money loan. And we charged them reasonable, very reasonable, hard money rates. Now, Joe, I'm going to tell you, this was back in 2005. Okay. And so this is a long time ago. And I can't even remember what we charged, but we probably charged like, two or three points, and we probably charged 14 to 15% interest. And I think if memory recalls, I think we even rolled the points into the loan. So they didn't come out of pocket to do it. I felt like I knew these guys pretty well. I felt like I had a pretty good relationship and pretty good vetting process. I had seen the leases. I talked to the company. 
out of Shreveport, Louisiana, that was going to come in and be the long-term acute care operator. And they had all their stuff. And I talked to the CEO and everything was a go. It was all good. So I made the loan. I secured my loan against the hospital in a first lien position, just like mm-hmm. if it was Bank of America or Wells Fargo or any hard money lender out there. I got a first lien position and I got a promissory note from the investors. Well, everything started to sing along just fine. I started to get payments in on my loan and I got payments for about probably six months. And I think maybe in the fifth or sixth month, those guys called and said, hey, can we extend our loan an additional three months? So this is mid to end of 2005, heading into 2006. If you remember back then what was just about to happen, mm-hmm. real estate and financial markets were about to crash and collapse. And so we extended the loan. I think we charged them a, a couple points or something like that to extend and everything was fine. And then all of a sudden, maybe nine months in, payments stopped. We just stopped getting payments. This was 10, 12 years ago, whatever it was. And I was probably too nice at the time. And so I kind of tried to work with these guys. Today, I've learned we set up the terms up front and we're going to live by the terms. Back then, I was too nice. I thought, we'll get through this. We'll figure this out. So I let it go and I let payments accrue. I let payments default because here was the reality. I looked at this thing and I said to myself, my goodness, if I foreclose on them, what am I going to do with a 77,000 square foot, (laughs) two-story old hospital building, right? And so the problem was, here's one of the first lessons I want people to take away. I did not properly ask this question and answer it because I was less experienced than I am today. Am I 100% comfortable with the absolute worst day? And have I considered what that worst day might actually be? So in my case, I was happy with the return I was getting on my investment. I was happy with my security position, first lien. I thought I had done everything right. What I didn't ask, Joe, the question was, if they default for whatever reason, within or out of their control, and I have to foreclose, and I end up owning a 77,000-square-foot building, am I comfortable with that? And at the end of the day, what the heck do I know about a hospital building and everything that goes into that. I I don't know anything about it. I know a heck of a lot more about it today than I did then. And so I tried to work with these guys for months and months and months and thinking, okay, we're going to get this thing cashed out. I'm going to get out of this. Well, finally, it just dawned on me that I'm not getting out of this thing until I do something about it myself. And so I ended up foreclosing on these guys. And so I took over ownership of the hospital building. And I literally am scratching my head saying, okay, this sucks, but I learned, man, did I learn? I got to ask the right questions going in. So now I own a hospital building. Well, here's what I discovered. Where's the hospital, by the way? I'm going to get to the end of this story. I'm not going to tell you where it is, and I'm going to tell you why at the end. Cool. But at some point, we'll do a recap on this thing, but I'll tell you why in a minute. I discovered that the way this hospital building had been originally built was there was essentially a split down the middle of the building. Literally, Joe, walking down the main corridor hallway, there was a split down the center of this building. Well, it turns out that another gentleman had a first lien on the other half of the hospital. (laughs) So I end up owning half 
of the hospital. He ends up owning the other half because he ended up having to foreclose as well. Well, he had a little different structure, so he didn't have to foreclose, but the short of it was he owned the other half and I had to foreclose and I owned one half, he owned the other. So we come to meet each other. We figure out, and this is a whole like thing of improprietary by the title company up front, like the whole thing was just jacked up. And it could have been prevented had I asked the question, am I okay with my worst day? And in this case, my worst day is owning this hospital building. Well, it comes half to find it. out that I meet, <laughs> that's right, owning half of it. So we meet and we get on the phone and we start talking and we discover that, crap, we're both kind of screwed in this thing. Well, he had gotten involved with his portion of the funding because he had elderly parents in the area and he wanted to be involved from sort of a philanthropic approach. Mm -hmm. He wanted to be involved and help these guys get this thing off the ground because he really wanted a place for his parents to go into. And so say, listen, there's no way either one of us are getting out of this thing alive or with our money unless we work together. And so we started working together and because he had a vested interest, and this worked really good for me, luckily, he had a vested interest in being a participant long-term in the operation of this facility, which is why he was involved to begin with, I basically gave him an option to buy me out. And so I did an original $300,000 loan. And when I foreclosed on those guys, my foreclosure basis was 474000 so that was late fees, penalties, missed payments, attorney's fees, foreclosure costs, everything added up. I foreclosed at a value of $474,000. So what I ended up doing then is I gave the other gentleman an option to buy me out. And we started walking down this path. Now, this is probably at this time, late 2007, maybe early 2008. I don't remember exactly when we foreclosed, but it was a couple of years in. By the time we gained control, hooked up with the other gentleman and got this thing moving forward. Well, from that point on, <laughs> all heck broke loose. We got a tax bill from the county. The tax bill when the hospital went vacant dropped to basically land value and all of the building value went away, but the building was good. Well, when we foreclosed, there was a gap period during our foreclosure process where we weren't the owner of the property. And so we were not allowed to dispute the tax value. And so they took the tax value from like land value, maybe $65,000 and they slapped it with building value of over a million dollars. So it took our tax burden from, I think it was like $2,500 a year that we would pay in taxes on this, up to over $30,000 in taxes that we owed. And there was nothing we could do about it. We couldn't dispute it. And if you know how taxes work, Joe, in real estate, taxes take a senior lien position over anything. So they become a first lien position <laughs> they become a, a tax sale. And so we ended up having to sue the county. And here's the funny thing. So we sat down with the county assessor 
literally sat down face to face with him because my half of the building got assessed at over a million and the other gentleman's half of the building got assessed at over a million. So between the two of us, we had almost $70,000 in taxes owed per year. Mm. And so we sat down face to face with the guy and, and he's like, yeah, sorry about that. We kind of made a mistake. We really shouldn't have done that, but we accidentally just penciled in the previous year's taxes when it was an operating facility, but sorry, man, nothing we can do for you. So they basically told us to pound sand <laughs> is what the short end of the story was. We had to sue the county to fight the taxes. We ultimately settled the suit. And instead of costing me 30 grand, I think it cost me 10 grand, something in that order, 10 to, 10 to 12,000. Including, including legal fees? No, legal fees were on top of that. So legal fees were probably another five to seven grand that we split, the other gentleman and myself. Mm-hmm. So it cost us a lot of money. The next year, our taxes went down to normal. And they've been down to that low rate ever since. But they took advantage of that one opportunity when we didn't own the building so we couldn't dispute the tax value. It was just a way for them to make money. Mm. I truly believe that. Well, from that point, we started to go through the process of, okay, let's bring a new operator. Let's get this thing funded. Let's get this thing off the ground. And so we had an operator lined up. We had a developer lined up. We had the entire project basically put together And we had funding lined up in late 2009 and about mid-2010. And I believe it was June 2010 when the gentleman who was going to fund the entire project, and it was an $11 million project to rehabilitate this entire thing and launch the LTAC Center with an Alzheimer's unit is where the studies landed. And so this gentleman... June 2010 passes away. His family and kids end up taking over his business and they stop all new projects. So we had $11 million in funding getting ready to move this thing forward and I'm completely cashed out and I'm going on my happy way. And the gentleman passes away unexpectedly and the family freezes all assets and all funding. So we lost our funding. Well, when we lost our funding, and granted, we're five years into this now, right? My six-month deal, I'm five (laughs) years in, and I still don't know what to do with a hospital building, but I'm learning. Well, then we get sued by the actual city. We literally get sued by the city. Actually, let me back that up. First, what happened is we got a demolition order slapped on us by the Building and Standards Commission. Now, I'm going to tell you that we were the outsiders, right? Neither one of us live in the city. It's not a huge city. It's probably, it's, it's around 40,000 people. And it is a good old boy club. And this good old boy club doesn't like outsiders owning this big piece of real estate that's boarded up, vacant, and effectively an eyesore for their community for five years. And somebody inside the community wants to make a bunch of money off of it and wants to be the local community hero. So the puppet strings start to get pulled and we end up fighting with the city through the entire process. Instead of them working with us and and getting this thing done, every opportunity 
we got blocked and we got stopped and they slapped us with this. And so when they slapped us with the demolition order, we're not the only boarded up building in this community. We're just the only outsiders that own the boarded up building inside the community. All of the other ones are not slapped with a demolition order. We are. So we ended up having to fight them and we ended up having to sue the city over this demolition order. And if I told you, Joe, that all of the craziness that happened through this process, like accessing our building without our consent and all of the things they did, it was absolutely nuts. And we had been pretty good neighbors the entire time. Like we went to the fire department, the police department, we had great relationships with them. And we said, look, we'll let you use our building for training and we'll let you do this and we'll let you do that. And we had it secure. We had lights, we had sense, we had all this stuff. And so we were in compliance with the city code. And so long story short, we ended up having to sue them. We settled that lawsuit. As soon as that lawsuit was settled to move the funding forward again, the gentleman who owned the other half was finally able to put a new operator group together with a new developer. He worked his butt off on this thing really, really solid. And we had to bring in Chinese investors. Think about how crazy this is, Joe, because we can't even go to U.S. citizens, you know, based on the way the U.S. laws work to get funding for this thing for a variety of reasons. So we had no choice but to go and go through what's called the EB-5 program, which is a federal program that grants foreign investors U.S. citizenship when they make an investment of, I think there's a dollar amount. I know our deal was half a million dollars. So when they make a half a million dollar investment that meets certain criteria and certain things into infrastructure or things in the United States, then they basically are buying their way into citizenship. And Chinese people are doing this in droves. I mean, it's nutty. It's crazy. And so we stumble on this thing just kind of through the whole healthcare. It's a very common way of doing healthcare development from what I found out. And I'm no expert in it, but we ended up funding a few million bucks into this development company, set up a new development company that the money funded into. And what that did is that basically bought me out. So my initial loan that I had given those guys, I foreclosed on, I owned the building. I gave those guys the option to buy me out at my $500,000, get me out of this thing amount. What we ended up doing is, and this is why I'm not telling you where it is, because I still own a piece of the back end of mm-hmm. this thing. And we're still trying to get the final deal off the, the ground. It's 2016 right now, Joe. <laughs> and I did this deal in 2005. That's 11 years in. What I have gotten back is I've gotten 250000 of my initial $300,000 investment back. And I have class B shares in the new LTAC development company that as soon as the final Chinese investors come in, which I anticipate in the next 60 to 90 days will happen, and the whole thing is fully funded, then I will get cashed out my $250,000 and I'll be out of the deal with a profit and about a 1.6% annualized 
return on investment. <laughs> so there's the story, man, on the hospital deal and the lesson that everybody needs to learn. Yeah, the main lesson, as you mentioned earlier, is am I 100% comfortable with the worst day and have I considered what the worst day would be? In this scenario, though, having the property split in half, I mean, what would you do now to make sure that there's not a scenario where if you do a loan, they're not splitting the property in half or it's not split in half? Well, it should have been better title search due diligence on our part up front. However, the problem was the guys we made the loan to ultimately turned out to be crooks. Honestly, they're really legitimate crooks. And I believe they were to a degree somehow. You can't prove any of this. And I'm not going to throw $180,000 in legal fees trying to go after them. I mean, you just learn the lesson and say, wow, that was an expensive education. And so the way the title policies and reports and, and everything were presented to us, I'm not sure if we would have known it. We should have known it, but we didn't probably do the proper title due diligence and we should have dug a little bit deeper and asked more questions. If there was any unclarity about the survey to the title policy descriptions, we should have dug into that deeper and we didn't. So that was a mistake on my part. And best ever listeners, again, just to reiterate, the main takeaway, because I highly doubt this exact story will be replicated by another best ever listener, <laughs> where you have a loan, it, you're getting paid, then the property gets foreclosed on, you take the property, then you find out you own half of the property, then you get a tax bill, you have to fight that, then you get it funded. Oh, no, you didn't get it funded. Somebody passed away. Then the city's telling you that you have to demolish the place. Then you have to bring in foreign investors through an EB-5 program. That's not going to happen. In all those steps, <laughs> knock on wood to myself or any best ever listener, but the number one thing is, am I 100% comfortable with the worst day and have I considered what the worst day would be? Rob, we don't have time to go into other stories. Perhaps we'll invite you back on the show for those other stories. This has been a wonderful tale to listen to. Are you glad that it happened? Oh man, in hindsight, I'm fine that it happened because it really taught me how to look at deals. I'll give you 30 seconds on, quick, on the Colorado Department of Health. Yeah, 30 seconds, literally. The same thing could be done with that deal. So that was a single family house. And the house was the only house left in this community here in Denver that didn't conform to the new setback regulations of the city code. And so it's set back from the curb back maybe 15 feet and the new regulations were like 30 feet. It was the final house sitting there. And so when the city had the opportunity, they slapped us with a demolition order. And the only way they could get us to have to demo it was to slap us with the Department of Health violation for the asbestos remediation. And so what could we have done different? I should have evaluated going in, what's my worst day? Is the city going to accept this as a grandfathered setback and not force me to demolish the property. So same thing going in, and that's why I'm happy that I learned the lesson, Joe, is I have really learned to ask myself, what is my legitimate worst day? What could it be? And am I comfortable with it? What's the best place the best ever listeners can find you? People can hook up with me on Facebook. Just go on Facebook, find Rob Swanson. I usually have a, some kind of a fly fishing picture or something like that out there. Rob, 
wonderful conversation. Thanks so much for being on the show, sharing this story about the hospital lessons learned, the question that you ask now for before any deal. Hope you have a best ever weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. You too. Thanks, Joe. If you're interested in learning more about the Upper West Side of New York City and potentially buying real estate in this coveted Manhattan neighborhood, check out ilovetheupperwestside.com. This website was created and owned by Love Where You Live Realty, who specialize on the Upper West Side. Go to ilovetheupperwestside.com.